This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Firefox by Craig Thomas and Nick read Gabby Bernstein's How to Become a Super Attractor. All right, welcome to Bibliovile, a terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are nearly a year into season two. Uh, it's been nearly a year since our dog had surgery and Susan broke her foot and we're all very depressed. And so we restarted this podcast. And since we're almost a year in, you know what that means. Weird experimentation. Tried it. Time to try something new. Ooh, I like the way you say that. But the reason we bring that up is because currently instead of sitting in our computer room, recording this while sitting on a folding chair and an office chair respectively, we are on a walk to High V because I need deodorant. <laughs> so we're currently walking through a church parking lot recording an episode of a podcast where we make fun of bad books. Yeah, and we figured it's almost night on a Sunday and this is Iowa City, so you just got to get used to people being weird. The world's ending. Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, so we're going to talk about our books. Uh, these were books that we I got Mick his book from the library, so another library ebook. But mine, just like last week's War Heaven, was from Mick's childhood bedroom. Yeah, so I we were back home due to uh, the land hurricane known as the derecho. And uh, I managed to look around my childhood bedroom as I am wants to do whenever I'm home and picked out two bibliovile books in a row, although this one was a little less crazy. Yeah, I gotta say, last week's War Heaven was like primo bibliophile book well, material. super gold alone. It's like um, super gold medal for craziest book. I know. Loyal listener Michelle Johnson uh, reached out while listening to our last episode to say, super gold broke me. And I responded, it broke me too. Yeah, and I think if you listen to last week's episode, then you'll know uh, just how much it broke both of us when I had to start yelling. So let's hope that this one's not so crazy so that I don't get arrested. Or shot. Well, um, this book did not really give me as much, to, nearly as much to talk about. Um, it was pretty, like, in terms of books, it was pretty fine. It is not a genre I would have sought out myself, but, like, for the genre, it was actually pretty well written. What's it called? Uh, it's called Firefox. Oh, so does it, like, move a little bit slower than the other <laughs> books that we've read, but it's more reliable? No, it's pretty fast-paced, but I didn't really like the logo. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Take that, Mozilla. <laughs> gotcha. It's 2008 again, and we're here for your Did browsers. <laughs> Got any hot Linux jokes you'd like to? I uh, no, but... You didn't, um, you didn't get them from other people, like, open-source those Linux jokes? Trying to find a joke to make about Safari, but I've never used it, so I can't. Hey, you don't need to make jokes about Safari because it already is one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, really like the big... Internet Explorer. Get it? Because it's really late. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good joke, Mick. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to forget if I tried to wait to do it to the end. <laughs> so I don't really have a whole lot of like crazy things to talk about. Um, this book, the thing that I appreciated the most about it is that it did not list a ridiculous number of different types of planes. <laughs> hey, it sets the bar low. Yeah. I was really ready. Like, I was ready to start listing out all the planes that were mentioned in this book. And it was like planes, a normal number of planes. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Put that on the back of the book. <laughs> a normal, num- normal number of planes. Susan Dickinson. Um, no, it was... So this was also a book about planes, but this one... The last one was much more, like, Top Gun. This is a lot more James Bond. Oh. Um, a lot more intrigue and spying, so... So Tip Gun by Tim Clancy and <laughs> Jim Band. Yes, by, Jim Band. Uh, I can't think of a joke about Ian... <laughs> I I don't know who writes the Jim Bond books. Fleming. Oh, I've read one, so I probably should have known that. Um, oh so yeah, <laughs> that was that was by a different guy. It's originally by Ian yes, Fleming. Yes, it was sketched out by Ian Fleming, but actually written by a different guy. So this book uh, is about a pilot named Michael Gant who is conscripted by British and American intelligence. Ooh to help steal a super high-tech, super secret plane... Called the Firefox. Called the Firefox that the Russians are building. And this is, like, way beyond anything that British and American technology are capable of doing right now. Take that, capitalism. And so the only thing that they can do is steal the plane so that they can, A, prevent the Russians from having the technology, and B, have the technology themselves. Ah, yes, the Red October of planes. They're actually, yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> Wait, which this, was published first? Uh, did t- did presumably come? Red October. Did, this was 1992. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Red October is published first. I think yeah. it was a movie afterwards, but... So this is very much Red October. Um, it is... The whole book takes place over the course of about 48 hours. Ooh, um, It's very quick. It is very good at building the suspense because, like, the whole point is, are they going to pull it off? Yeah. And it does a really good job of kind of keeping you on your toes of, you know, are they going to pull it off? What's going to happen? Um, there are a lot of hiccups that they run into, and eventually they pull it off and they steal the plane. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I mean, like, that's the book. The, the crazy thing about this book, though, is all of the unnecessary deaths that happen in it um, that are extremely ridiculous. So we have, first off, we have to get our main character, Michael Gant, to Russia. Um, and we have to sneak him in so that the KGB agents don't figure out who he is and figure out what's going on and stop the whole plot before it has the There's chance to be There's a lot of dogs plot. in our neighborhood. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> I'm not editing this. Oh. <laughs> um, so first, in getting Michael Gant to Russia, we uh, wind up killing Fenton, who's the British agent. <gasps> not Fenton. He's murdered to confuse the KGB. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tip-top Fenton. Sorry about this. <laughs> in the next chapter, uh, Gant kills a KGB agent with a towel in a public bathroom because he gets nervous. And then a guy named... I get nervous in bathrooms a lot. Pavel dies in a car chase. Mm. Um, then we the find Pavel. out... <laughs> so then... <laughs> then we find out that the reason this plane is so, like, high-tech and highly sought after is because its weapon system is thought-controlled. <gasps> cool. So mind-controlled weapons. Like, the big twist. Um, then we get another... So, so far, we have had one gruesome death per chapter... We keep this up through the entirety of the book. The only thing that changes is that the final chapters have multiple gruesome deaths. Wow, this is from the Yasmin Galinorn uh, school of <laughs> book writing where you have to either add or kill something every chapter. Gant winds up, so they have infiltrated the hangar where the plane is, and Gant has to kill a guy named Voskov, 
who is supposed to be the pilot of the plane so that he can steal Voskov's flight suit because he needs it for the mind control. Yeah. Um, he Then there's a guy named Filipov. And Filipov gets caught making a call to the British embassy, so he's beaten to death by the KGB. Aw, Filipov. At that point, I'm like, man, these More people like aren't lasting tough. very long. Are we going to have any left by the end of the book? <laughs> uh, then there's a guy named Somolovsky. Uh, he kills a KGB guard with a wrench before starting a fire as a distraction. Uh, presumably a lot of people die in the fire. Um, then a guy named Baranovich shoots several guards. Son of Baranov. Yeah. Semolovsky then burns to death. Oh no. Baranovich. Hey, live by the sword, die by the sword. Right. You know? Baranovich and Krushin die while providing the distraction for Gant to get into the hangar. And at this point, I'm starting to wonder, like, well, they're all, like, they're they're Russians, but they've been, like... um, Co-opted. Co-opted by the British and the Americans. Ah, so they basically undid their entire service and set up just for this one plane? Because now they have to build a whole new... Pretty much, yeah. Mm, Not a smart plan. Well, but isn't it a smart plan? Why? Because you killed everybody that you had? Now you have well, to start yeah, over. I mean, yes, but like this is the big thing that they want, mm. and so I feel like they it? thought it was all going to be worth it. I see. So all of these people were willing to like lay down their lives. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um. Okay. For, sorry, I lost my place in my notes. Because um, we had to pass people. I get it. So then, Gant is on the plane, and he is. Like, he, so he has stolen the plane. The Russians know that he has stolen the plane. And he is trying to get to the refueling station. Are you <laughs> up in the air? or like No, back so on the he's going to land on an ice floe. Mm, smart. And a submarine is going refu- to refuel him. <laughs> That's not how any of that works. Well, it is, though. Well, no, like a submarine doesn't ref. whatever. Well, um, it does in this one. Do you think that at any time this guy was like, how do I use the missiles? And when he thought that, the missiles fired? Did that happen? (laughs) No, but he does use the missiles several times. He blows up a completely unrelated plane. Good. So that he can throw off the heat-seeking missiles that have been fired after him. Uh, Then he blows up a helicopter. So that's what happened at Malaysian Airlines. Yeah. Then he blows up a helicopter and another plane that were between him and the submarine. And then he blows up... There's a second Firefox that goes after him. Well, and so Gant has so. to blow him up so that that Firefox doesn't exist anymore. Um, yeah, so every single chapter has a ton of gruesome death in it, which was a little intense. There were a couple things that I like actually did appreciate about this book, and I think it's because I read it right after reading <laughs> War Heaven. One of my brothers <clears throat> is apparently into planes. That would have been yeah. Dan, I guess. Probably. Maybe. We'll um, the timeline would also make sense for that to be Dan. That's what I'm thinking, like, yeah. Early to mid-90s, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that I did appreciate is that Gant, our, our main character, is not this, like, calm, cool, collected <laughs> hero. <gasps> no! He, like, has really bad diarrhea throughout, like, the whole book because he's so nervous all the time. He's constantly sweaty. Um, he, like, says the wrong things all the time. And so I thought that was a really good juxtaposition from War Heaven's main character, who was like, 
it Rider had, Long. It had to be you, Rider Long. You You're were the only one that could do it. Big enough. And meanwhile, there's like, if you die doing this mission, we won't miss you. Yeah. Which I feel like is more... Uh, Way more true to life. Yeah. yeah. Authentic. Yes. Um, I also thought, like, this this is not my kind of book, obviously. Um, but I do think it was a good example of its genre. It built tension really well. It was, um, like, actually pretty thought out. The, like, pace picks up so quickly getting to the finish, which was really good. Um, and it just, like, keeps going until the very last minute. There's sort of this element of, like, is he going to make it? Are they going to find him? And then the very end is him, like, landing in Finland. Like, he <laughs> yeah. did it. Hurrah! So, and the Cold War was ended. Yeah, so it was a pretty good example of, um, I don't know, this, like, high-tension suspense sort of war drama cold war drama i suppose um so there were some good things about it i did not hate reading it and it did not take me as long as war heaven so eh, it's all right nice a ringing endorsement a ringing endorsement (laughs) Uh, if i did not actively hate it and complain the whole time that i was reading it it was a pretty good read yeah comparatively speaking of that speaking of that um, I'm going to need you to hold that microphone, which you've already taken from me for a little bit, because I had to read a book, How to Be a Super Attractor. <laughs> this book is the new age, you know, it's just the secret, but the, the cat's been allowed to let out of the bag. I made it to exactly 69% of the way through the nice. book. Nice. Uh, and was getting uh, no more out of it, so I stopped. Uh, this was the first sentence where I just kept waiting for the book to stop being this crazy and, like, settle in. You know, it's like, okay, you got whoever's supposed to be reading this You got your hook, yeah. Yeah. And it just doesn't stop, so I'm just going to start reading. I've always known that there is a non-physical presence beyond my visible sight. All my life, I've intuitively tuned into it and used it as a source for good. I've tapped into this unlimited presence of power to heal my body, support my relationships, guide my career in the service of others, and attract my greatest desires. There are many names for this type of spiritual presence. I refer to it interchangeably as the universe, God, spirit, inner guidance, love, and other terms too. You may have your own word that resonates with you, or maybe you're new to spirituality and don't yet have a vocabulary around it. And just keeps going. If I had to sum this up, It's a Christian book that doesn't want to admit it's Christian, trying to convince you to let go and let God. Yeah. And this honestly already sounds a lot like every women-oriented fitness class I've ever attended. (laughs) And this is a woman who, like, I I actively do bar workouts six out of seven days a week. Lifting a glass to my lips. So I, like, I mean, I get it. (laughs) Um... So this book really got me going, and I'll talk about how this book maybe embraced nihilism to the, the correct direction. Um, but this is basically like, what if we made the entire religion out of confirmation bias, you know? Okay, so give me like, some examples here. So like, because you're not thinking that good things are going to happen to you, good things don't happen uh, to you. Yeah. And I know that that's, we could just go off about that being the everything, but it really takes shape in this book. Um, it is the ultimate in sort of biased storytelling because has nobody ever had as terrible of a life as a motivational speaker? Yeah. Where it's like, I was struggling with my relationships and I had a stomach issue that I needed to see a doctor with and my grandma died and my best friends just broke up and my, like, Jesus, I don't believe at you about any of these things because you're writing a book to sell to me and you, you link your website in every single chapter for me to go oh, visit. Oh, gross. 
But still, um, it's just a motivational speaker over and over again. Oh yeah, I need to read this. At one point, she mentions another uh, informational speaker need to, by the name that goes by Abraham Hicks. That sounds like I'm pretty sure that was the name of a guy that won American Idol a really long time ago, like a very early season American Idol. So this is the story of Abraham Hicks. Abraham Hicks, often known as just Abraham, is the work of a woman named Esther Hicks, who is a channel for lessons and teaching on, on the topic of the law of attraction. She is one of the most powerful practitioners in the field. Abraham is treated as a plural noun because the name represents a collective spiritual energy who have described themselves as, quote, a group consciousness from the non-physical dimension. I'm sorry, if you're going to refer to yourself as just Abraham, that one's already taken he had to almost kill his son, Isaac. Like, that's a guy that exists. Uh, existed. Thank you. Well, yeah. But, sure. Um, the thing that always gets me is that the whole, I'm a woman named Esther Hicks, but I am channeling a plural amount of people who all go by the name Abraham. And so when you are trying to say that this person, Esther Hicks, uh, has written or taught something, she says, Abraham Hicks say... Oh. Because it is a plural group of and channels. And we all know that's wrong. It's Abraham's Hick. That's what I thought. I legitimately thought that. Why are you going to name your last name Hicks and then have Abraham's Hick? Like, it would be great. <laughs> but the thing I wrote down is uh, during that quote, I was like, is this how conservatives feel when we talk about transgender issues? <laughs> it's just like, what are you even talking about? Plural. Abraham Hicks say. And so lots of this is just quoting other... Uh, Motivational speakers. Uh, oh, man. I took a lot of notes that I can't read. Basically... To be fair, I think you were rage writing at this oh, point. Yeah. You were not happy to be reading this book. I was book. not happy. This kind of sounds... So, I, I actually... I've, I've been getting very distracted by Instagram reels lately. Um, because it's very easy to mindlessly scroll. And also, the world is ending. So, we're doing a lot of doom scrolling here. Um, but in, there's a, a video that I saw on Instagram reels of this woman who is like, here's the words that we're going to stop using because they're manifesting bad energy. And it was things like, I can't afford or I don't have time to. And she was like, replace I can't afford with I can't wait to. So if your friend asks you to go on a trip and you're like, I can't afford to. You say, I can't wait to, but not right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of that where when you're trying to not be so poor, that's uh, forgiving want and instead attracting abundance. Yes, that, that's exactly what it was. It was about attracting abundance. I bet that girl read this book. Uh, it might be the girl, she's on, the woman she's on Instagram. Maybe. Um, so the motivations of the universe, the universe, by the way, as a uh, all-knowing, all-feeling being, it's, yeah, it's just really. the like the... The uh, oh, what's the gospel where you make a lot of money? And Joel Osteen says it. Prosperity gospel. It's just the prosperity gospel, but cross out Jesus and put the spirit or something. Mm -hmm. So she says, for this step to work, you must believe in your next best thought. If there's any doubt, then your energy won't back up your prayer. Keep in mind that the universe always hears your prayers, but your energy must support these prayers in order for you to hear the guidance that the universe then provides. And she has to like hedge her bets because she said that the universe is always trying to help you. But if you yeah. don't fully believe it, then the universe won't help you. Which just means if the universe didn't do it, then you didn't believe it enough. It's confirmation bias. Long, like long and, and also, short of it. It, like 
eventually blaming the person. You just didn't believe it enough. You oh, yeah. just didn't want it enough. You just didn't try hard enough. Yeah, it's it's malignant and terrible. Um, she says that the morning is the most holy time of the day because of reasons. Uh, you can trust when you let the universe lead you. You'll receive good orderly direction. The universal form of love, also known as G-O-D. Just say, go to a Christian church and believe in Jesus. Like, just get over with it. It's yeah, fine. This is clearly what you're trying to say. It's okay to just come out and say it. Yeah. Um, then she lists a lot of... Oh, yeah, this is a fun one. In order to feel good, you must decide to stop feeling bad. Okay. It's as simple and as profound as that. That's exactly... Like, that's all the people who are like, I'm sorry you're depressed, but just like stop being sad basically i'm yes. sorry that you're anxious just like stop worrying uh feeling good is feeling god and by that i mean when we feel good we remember the god within us and it's like just just be like just say god stop trying to hedge just your bets be a christian book it's yeah. fine um uh there's a lot of uh everyone gets to be rich if they just bring abundance to themselves Ah, uh, yes it's poor people's fault they're poor uh i want to get to where there we go. This is the confirmation bias story I was getting to. She's with a friend. And then she told me later that morning as she was taking her nine-year-old son, Jack, to baseball tryout, he'd find out that day whether he'd be moving up to the majors or staying in the minors. She was worried that he wasn't going to make it and that he'd be devastated. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught a glimpse of Jack. He was standing in the living room, overhearing our conversation. I saw the fear in his eyes, and I could sense his discomfort. My friend looked over at him and said, Jack, the only thing you need to do is to have fun. Don't worry about what happens. Just have a good time. All right. So from here, there are two possible endings. He he's he's going to get in or he's not. He, yeah, he's going to get in or he does not. If he does get in, guess what the moral of the story is? Because Jack was able to focus on just having fun, it didn't matter that his, like, all of the worries that his mom had yeah. didn't seem to affect him. Or he doesn't. All of the worries that his mom had really brought him down. Yeah. Those are the two options, and either one of them proves that you're right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's that... You can find times. confirmation for your theory in any outcome when your theory is vague enough. Yeah, and so the uh, there's just some anti-Marxism in here. Like, there is enough to go around. It's like, no, there's not, or else we would already. Uh, she lists uh, an example of choosing on the positive because she saw some mean Facebook posts. Hey, look at that. Some <laughs> lights just turned on around us. Some mean Facebook posts that were really bringing her down, and so she really made the decision to, instead of reading those mean Facebook posts, go read some happy Instagram comments. And really, that's what life is all about. It's like, yeah, that's not profound in any way you just started reading people being nice to you instead of people accurately calling you out as a fraud and also that's just saying that the comments can be trashed sometimes which is the thing that we yeah, all never. know if we exist on the internet in any capacity never never uh yeah never read the comments uh i'm not going to get too far into this because uh, i've already shot my wad of it uh but her she keeps listing her beliefs as non-denominational and then specifically lists that angels are all around and the yeah. angels she, everyone has a guardian angel and there's spirits and you can use dead people as well and then she's like anyway these are non-denominational ways of thinking about angels no they're not but here are some archangels and then she lists michael and Raphael. and like so she's a non-denominational catholic yeah those are if like those are in the catholic eu there lady mm -hmm. uh and then she also goes just off base lists ariel as the archangel of like nature and a different i'm like like catholicism would ever let a woman be an archangel come nah. on um and so listing that uh as her guardian angels and it just got weirder and weirder uh yes yeah, it's, it's just confirmation bias over and over and over again 
So here's my question for you. Yeah. What made you stop? Was it one of those things where you're like, I've just gotten as much material as I'm going to get from this book? Or did you rage quit because of a particular oh, sentence? Oh, no. It was just, it was just, there's, you can only get so wet. And I had already like, I was already above my head and the, the you were very, confirmation. You were already and, saturated. Yeah, already yeah. saturated in the jargon and the, the spirituality and everything. And it's like, sometimes, you know, I, I understand the basic impulse to do these sorts of things. Like, if I yell at a person on the, the interstate mm -hmm. for doing something dumb, but then it turns out I just mistook what they were doing and it turned out it was the right thing to do, I will apologize to that yeah. car. And it's not because I think it'll make their day better, but it makes mine, like, it makes me try to rethink yelling at somebody right away and always trying to, like, kind of let go of being angry with a person who's never going to know. But... Yeah. I don't think that that positive vibe, vibration in the universe, she literally thinks that there are vibrations happening in the universe that I don't we can believe change. in that. I do think that there is something to be said about putting good energy out into the universe, but I think, like you said, that's more for, like, your own self yeah. than it is for anybody else. Like, yeah. I'm going to put some good, or, like, I, I very much like the idea of, like, someone's going through a tough time of, like, I'm thinking of you, I'm sending good vibes your way. Just you have a job interview, saying. you know, and I think it's more of a way of saying, like, I'm putting, like, I'm thinking about you in a positive way and hoping for the best for you. Do yeah. I think that that's going to make a difference in the outcome? No, but I think that's a part of, like, being a friend. Being a person is saying yeah. that, yeah. So anyway, what this retaught me is that uh, hearing about how the universe loves you and always wants you to be happy uh, made me re-embrace the positive side of nihilism. Because the positive side of, like, nihilism is often, uh, you know, in the Big Lebowski, the movie we watched yeah. together, that you <laughs> had <laughs> difficulty on, like, knowing how you felt about it. Yeah. I th which I think everybody does the first time they watch The Big Lebowski. That's but, fair. Um, in The Big Lebowski and other things, nihilists are seen as, like, oh, nothing matters, so the world is meaningless and I hate it. Yeah. Kind of depressive nihilism. And the original nihilists were Russian revolutionaries who, uh, like, try to do away with basically every single social uh, control yeah. and tradition and say, like, none of this matters. And that's great. Yeah. Like, uh, because basically the... Uh, the format of this book keeps saying like the universe wants you to be happy it wants you to be wonderful and it's like uh fuck that the universe doesn't give a shit about no, you it doesn't care it's not a thing or like it's not a being it is not present at all and since it doesn't care and since nothing and no one really cares you have to make all of it yourself right this is like yeah it's an, it's on you to create your own meaning and that's very empowering i think instead of waiting for the universe to give you things you have to go out there and do them yeah and so it's like you should let spite motivate you more often than we admit Spite is like the premium of emotional gasoline. And I wrote that down before RBG died. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, now we really need spite gasoline in the tank. I feel like spite up until more recently. Marathons. Yes. Spite was a, motivate, a motivator when it came to things like exercise. Um, I famously don't remember this, but it's a great story that we now love to tell. Uh, at mile 17 of my marathon, saw Mick and my brother. And apparently, again, don't remember. I smiled very brightly and said, hey, fuck this. And then <laughs> ran eight more miles. Yeah. And it is like, this is terrible and I hate it and I cannot wait to be done. And that's going to keep fueling me yeah. for the next you eight miles. The, you check up the double birds, the concept yeah. of the race that you, you chose to run. Or the fact that it's raining. And paid a lot of money to run. Yeah. yeah, and now it's like spite motivates you to be a better person because mm -hmm. there's so many things like wanting you the, not to like, be a better person. The entire system that we live yeah, under doesn't The whole system is actively rooting against us and a lot of other people yeah. that aren't as fortunate as us. 
And that makes me so angry, and that anger is going to keep me moving forward. Yeah, so check up the double burst of the universe, because it doesn't care about you, and yeah. you have to make things care about you, and you have to care about things without it. So anyway, uh, I don't even remember what that lady was called, even though she listed her website every single time to try and get me to download her meditations and mantras. I just know that she was white and very blonde. Yeah, so she's on Fox News. <laughs> um, At least I didn't get you another Ann Coulter book. Yeah. This one is a little bit different than Ann Coulter. But that's going to do it for us. We made it to Hy-Vee about 10 minutes ago. It's a short episode, but there were some some short books. Yeah. So why not Why not just have a nice, chill day? Uh, Who guy some, has a chill day? I've got some real winners keyed up for Mick oh, for yeah. his next book. So I've uh, started making an Amazon list of Sue's next bibliophile. Can't wait. So excited. Um, so yeah, that is our episode for the night. The universe doesn't care about you. Go make life good for yourself. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Digima. You can find the Twitter at Bibliovile. I'm at Susan J. And the intro music for our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Have a good night, Michelle.